Welcome to My Life, Chassidus Applied, episode 304. A good moyed. This is a special edition. We usually would not do a program of Cholamoyed, but we take our cue from the Rebbe. I remember as a teenager, the Yom Kippur War in 1974, 73. It was already Tav Shalom Adalad, so 1973. And the Yom Kippur War, of course, broke out of Yom Kippur. And the Rebbe made special fabrengans, especially one of Shabbos Chalamoyed Sukkot, which was then not the regular norm. The simple principle being, when there's more darkness, we need more light. There was a war being fought, and the Rebbe spoke about the events of the time. So now, when we have a different type of challenge, a pandemic, what better time to add in Teira and Echsidis and learning, including a Cholamayit. So this is a special Pesach, Cholamayit Pesach, we'll call it Crown Edition, the Crown of Gedusha, Kesser of Gedusha, which has the power to counter and to vanquish the Kesser, the Crown, the Corona of the negative forces, as we have been discussing in previous episodes and previous programs. We have a special coronavirus section at MeaningfulLife.com slash Corona, as in Crown. And you can find there a whole mu- a multitude of programs and uh, different sorts. The Daily Spiritual Antidote, which I began doing 18 days ago, ago the 18, well, around three weeks ago, which you can easily subscribe to there. Different Zoom online classes for different audiences, for students, for teenagers, for parents, for educators, and of course for the general populace, again, of different uh, backgrounds. And we will continue, please God, pouring out as much as possible in this challenging time, because as I said, what we learn from the Rebbe, we learn from Tater, from Chassidus, when there's a challenge, you have to increase in the positive side even more than the negative. We have to feed our souls and feed our inner beings. So, in the spirit of that, let me share a story that happened with me, my father. It was Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Tov Shin Nun. The year was 1979, 1989. Tov Shin Nun. My father, God forbid, Olav had a mini stroke. And he ended up in the hospital on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He came out all right from that. Erev Yom Kippur, the Rebbe would give lekach. It was the days when he would give lekach, sweet honey cake, to everyone. But those years already, it was just a select few. And I was summoned by Rabbi Groner. I should mention his name, Lebracha. He just passed away. The Rebbe's loyal aide and assistant going back from the beginning of the Rebbe's leadership 70 years ago. Uh, so Rabbi Groner called me that the Rebbe wanted me to come and get lekach for my father. So I came by. The room, the antechamber outside of the Rebbe's uh, personal room, private room, and the Rebbe gave me the piece of lekach, told me that this is for your father, and tell him you should have, I'm giving lekach, and he should have a sweet year, a healthy, sweet and healthy year, he said, in Yiddish. Then he added with a smile, on Zogim, I said, tell him that when he'll conclude, when he'll finish his mission there in the hospital, they will release him. What I did immediately, took the cake, I went straight to the hospital, Brookdale Hospital, and I gave it to my father, and I told him exactly what the Rebbe said. Just to give you the whole story, my mother began to talk to the nurses and the doctors to do mivtsayim. Did you light candles? Did you put on film and different things? My father called her and said, I'm in the hospital. I'm the one that's on the shlichus, on the mission. You're a guest. And my father did what he had to do, just to show you the, the, that this wasn't just a nice line. Right after Yom Kippur, this was Erev Yom Kippur. Right after Yom Kippur, Rabbi Chadikov, the Rebbe's chief of staff, came to see my father. And he said to my father, the Rebbe's asking, did you finish your mission yet? Well, at some point my father did finish his mission and he was released. Now think about this. He was in the hospital not for any good reason. He was not in the hospital because he wanted to be. He, was, he had no choice. He had a mini stroke. And he, had, he was so-called stuck there. 
But the Rebbe does not see things that way. Everything is by God, divine providence. God leads the footsteps of a person. If you're there, it could be the ostensible reason was the illness. It could be the ostensible reason may be whatever you're thinking is the reason you're there. But the real reason is for you to fulfill a mission. It reminded me of a story, a similar story. In a different situation, thank God it wasn't an illness, but it was also a challenge. In the winter of 1979, that was 1979, it was Chav Shvat actually, there was a midwinter women's convention in Detroit, Michigan. It was midweek, the convention. They were going to come back for Friday to come home for Shabbos. There was a big snowstorm in New York, so they could not travel. So they wrote to the Rebbe that they're stuck, and they're asking the Rebbe for a bracha to come back home to their husbands and to their families for Shabbos. The Rebbe writes, and he then edited it. I'll just read the English translation because it was edited. Those delayed from coming, so they wrote to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe edited. The Baal Shem Tov's teaching that every occurring occurrence contains a directive in serving God is a topic that has spoken of and discussed at length many, many times. The Hebrew is even sharper. The Rebbe says, The great wonder that after we speak in at length and many, many times about the Baal Shem Tov, that everything, there's a lesson in serving God. And you too certainly spoke about it. And I'm sure you too have given speeches on this topic. Yet now when an incident has happened to you, i.e. you're being delayed in Detroit by the New York snowstorm, whose occurrence is a clear meaning and purpose, you seek to attach the incident, most, the most distorted interpretations, perhaps the delay is designed to distress us, God forbid, or how are we going to return home, etc. Anything but the simple and obvious interpretation. And what is that interpretation? The simple and obvious reason for the delay is, it is possible that to disseminate Torah and mitzvahs to far greater degree than was accomplished during the convention, you are therefore being granted the merit through the snow which descends from heaven, meaning it's a sign from heaven, from the snow is telling us something, of completing the above task with an extraordinary abundance and intensity of Judaism. And the Rebbe adds, extraordinary abundance and storm intensity of Judaism, similar to the extraordinary abundance of the snowstorm. The Rebbe adds the word storm in the editing. Your reference in completing the convention's task of disseminating Torah mitzvahs should be extended to the city, the airport, publicity, and the newspapers, etc. Now again, it's a storm. No one wanted the storm. They wanted to come home. But there's always deeper reasons for things. And interestingly, even though a storm, in this case, grounded them, the Rebbe saw the storm itself and snow falling from heaven as a lesson from heaven, as a message from heaven, and in a stormy way that you have to do a storm in spreading Torah and Yiddishkeit and Judaism and mitzvahs with a storm just like the snowstorm that is now keeping you where you are. So now let's apply this to our times. We're dealing with an illness. We're dealing with a pandemic, a coronavirus, that has unfortunately taken lives, Leilena. And I want to dedicate this entire program to all those that need it immediately, completely. God should protect everyone else. And those that have lost, lost family should be strengthened and consoled. So now we're in this situation. So we can sit, as the Rebbe says, and find all kinds of reasons to distress us or what was going to happen. There's a deeper reason. It's not something we like, but once we're here, there's a shlichus. There's a mission. And when you finish the mission, the pandemic will finish based on this thinking. Obviously, we have to do everything naturally and we have to do everything health-wise, as we've spoken many times, because that itself God told us that you work through natural means. But at the same time, our attitudes, that which is in our control, our spirits, our commitments, that is all right now has to be in a storm. The pandemic is called a, is a pandemic. It's like a storm. So we need to create a pandemic of goodness and kindness with, with more, not just equal, but more intensity, than the storm raging around us. Now you'll say it's difficult. Yes, it's, everything is difficult. But when you understand there's a God that runs the world and we don't know God's mysterious ways, this is an attitude. And we can repeat it again and again. This is now the calling of our time. Obviously, we have to continue our responsibilities in the best possible way. But when dealing with such a challenge, this is what we need to be doing. And both these stories, among many others, tell us 
a true message of when you're in a situation where you think you're stuck or you think you're quarantined or you think you may be isolated and you are actually. My father was in the hospital. They were actually still in Detroit. What happened Sunday was, at the end of the story is, the snow stopped. They wrote to the Rebbe. The Rebbe says, clearly, you finished your job there. Your shlichus. And now the, storm, storm, the snow stops and now you come home. That was on Chov Gimel Shvat. The Rebbe says, Chusmi Yechedesh it's a special merit, the Rebbe writes. It's a particularly great merit when the Almighty point, uh, from above, from on high, points with a finger and clearly shows one what to do. May all your activities undertaken as a result of the divine indication referring to the snowstorm be highly successful. It is obvious that each and every woman will soon travel and reach home, for she will have accomplished her mission. Now, it's important to, to just as a, uh, as a footnote, but important footnote, this is not saying that the pandemic is a result of our behavior. This is not pointing fingers. It's saying after the fact, we wish it didn't happen and we want it to go away. But after the fact that we're in a certain amount of situation, it means that we need to do our, our mission in this particular situation now. So wherever we may be, whether it's in a general sense, this is not just that a leaf turns over as divine providence, that every detail, each individual, has to learn the lesson for each. So some of us, it may be strengthening our lives at home. Some of us, our relationship with our children. Some of us, online connections through learning more. Or learning at, at your own table, in your own home. More shiurim, more prayer, more good deeds. In a more panimizdik and internal way, as we shall soon be discussing. So to answer the first question, now we've been flooded, I have to tell you with questions more than ever, obviously, due to the circumstances. I'm going to try to cover as many this week and then continue perhaps other weeks. Hopefully we don't have to talk about this more, but meanwhile, it's still very present and perhaps dominant. That is why we're focusing so much on this topic, because it is affecting our, our, our spirits, our morale, our psyches, our emotions, our whole state of mind and state of heart, our whole lives are being disrupted and upended. And therefore, Chassidus applied. We talk about different topics. I felt this is the appropriate topic, the thing that is most relevant presently. So the big question that I keep getting, and this is another one, someone wrote it this way, and I'll just read it. Can you please give us more Teda Hasidic perspective on the approach we should be taking in dealing with this unprecedented quarantine? So the story, the two stories I just told, my father in the hospital, the shlichus, finish your shlichus and you'll, and, and you'll be released. And the story with the snowstorm in the, in, uh, the, for the women in Detroit, the snowstorm in New York, is the perspective. That is the perspective that we have to have. We have to see this as a unique shlichus. It's a challenging one. It has many side effects and downsides. But above all, it's where God wants us to be. So this leads me to the next question. As a single, I find the loneliness unbearable. After all is said and done, as a single, I did my Seder all alone, and it was very difficult. I dread the rest of the days of Pesach and then Shabbos, etc. How can I be? How can I be possibly expected to rise? How can be possibly expected of me to rise to the occasion? I have listened closely to your talks, really empowering, during these trying times. But I still can't bring myself to find the inner strength to celebrate with God alone, as you put it. I beg of you, on behalf of so many in my situation or similar situations, please share advice to help us. Another person phrased it a little differently. Staying home stuck makes us also focus on being stuck in our lives. Until now, when we go to work and other things, we could distract ourselves. Now we start realizing. True. So taking the cue from the, from the, from the spirit of what I said earlier about being on shlichus, it may be a new novel concept to many of us because our lives, we had our routines, we had our situations, we had everything, our crutches, our comfort zones, our security blankets, everything was working, our structures, our schedules, and we relied on it. We didn't have to think much about why am I here? Why was I sent to this world? What is my shlichus, my mission? Some of us did, but now it's in an acutely, completely new way for those that have not thought about it. This is perhaps a new, a new novel idea that needs to be thought about. For those that have thought about it, it puts a whole new sense of urgency. Because we're no longer dependent 
at least for now, and on the resort's reliable schedules. You can't say I'm going tonight to eat with some, out to eat or some other public event or a game or entertainment or work or any other things, even school. So we've been taken out of our natural habitats and natural routines and now forced in a lockdown to be home, stay home. Some of us are completely alone. Some of us are with just immediate spouse or immediate family. Even that, for many Seder this year, families could not do it together because of the risks and the concerns and the guidelines that we must follow, again, to the letter of the law and beyond of what we're being told by rabbis and by halachic and medical experts. So the question is very, uh, very, very powerful one. But there's really no way around it. I have no magic pill to say it the way it is. It's a shlichus. My father was not happy to be in the hospital. Trust me. I remember I was in the house when he had this, the mini stroke. How, how it, was, it was like catastrophic. Thank God it was only a mini. It was, not, it was not a disaster. But at the time, he wanted to be in the hospital. I'm just pointing out as an example. There are many situations where, not, where, we, want to, we, don't, where we don't want to be. But this is our mission. So let's begin talking about that. That's what we need to be talking. That itself is part of the shlichus, perhaps. To talk about that, this is a shlichus. Remember, the Rebbe saying that for my father was also making him think that way. And then, of course, fulfilling the mission. So let's talk about it. You were sent to this world not to work, not to entertain yourself. Those are all add-ons. Those are all optional, arbitrary even, as we see today. Your life goes on even when all those structures are not there in place. But you exist. So ask yourself the question, why am I here? This is exactly what we should be meditating and thinking about, even when you're all alone. So we have to find basically internal opportunities. Let me use an example, something that from Hasidic thought, since which Hasidic supplied. The concept of a pnimi. So the Rebbe Rashab was once speaking to his students, this is 100 years from his yard site, on Beis Nissen, second of Nissen. He was speaking to his students and he was about to say, he told them to sing a song that was always said as a preface to a Hasidic discourse, a special nigan that was sung. The Bochum, the students and those in attendance began to sing, but they, you could sense they were singing quicker than usual because they wanted to hear, they had anticipation to hear the discourse. The Rebbe Rashab sensed that they were rushing, so he stopped them and he gave a long talk a long talk about what is a pnimi. A pnimi means an internal person, a person that where you are, you're there completely. Even though you're singing the song, it's an introduction to a next stage, but now you're here, be here completely. The concept that we hear that when the Jews traveled through the wilderness, so even though they stopped for a short period of time, they built up the, the, the portable sanctuary, the Mishkan, then they took it down. There were places, they were there for years, so you could say, okay, we need a Mishkan, but even there were a day, a few days. Because al Hashem yachnu al Hashem yisu. It's according to God, God's command that now you should rest. So even if it's a minute, it's considered, as the Gemara says in Erevin, as a permanence. Well, it's not permanent, it's only for a minute. Well, it's not a minute, or for a day, for a few days. But it has a, in, in, qualitatively, it's a permanent. Because that's where you need to be right now. You're, now you're singing a song, sing the song completely immersed. This is a concept that many of us are not really good at. In our multitasking world, many of us do so many things, you never pay 100% attention to the specific detail, even if it's a preparation to something else. Well, they say in marketing, just to use an example, that it's better to get 100% attention of 1% of your audience than 1% attention of 100% of your audience. 100% being there. And when you know it's your mission, that means it's the divine wills right now, you be here, that's all that matters. So this is a, I'll use a modern expression, mindfulness, but long before the concept of mindfulness, a concentration on his bonunut, a focus, a contemplation on this is where you need to be. When you start thinking in terms of, let me look at a flower, smell the rose. That even the smallest grain of sand carries infinity. A wildfire, wildfire carries a heaven. Infinity in an hour, paraphrasing a classic poet. But it all comes from the concept in Judaism that mashvakotten v'gadl, God it equalizes the big and the small. It's not just the dramatic things. Every detail is the purpose of your life right now. 
Now, again, this may be novel for many. I never thought of it that way. I'm, I have so many expectations of me, so many responsibilities, so many demands. Everyone is vying for something. Well, you know what? Now is the time. It's all been shut down for the time being. Perhaps to teach us how to become more panemiastic, a person who's more in the moment. And that means we all learn Torah. Hopefully. If not, now is a good time to begin. So you can learn Torah, your regular shiurim, whether some people have chitas, chumash, tilim, tanya. Friedrich Rebbe established that every day the chumash is broken up by chapter and each chapter has its date. Tehillim is broken up as well by the month. Every day, the month, according to the month. And then there's tanya by the year. The whole tanya divided. So every day you have a section of chumash and tilim and tanya. Other people have different shiurim. Have different uh, ongoing classes. Some people learn Daf Yaimi in the Talmud every day a page. Other people have other shir, the Shir Rambam that the Rebbe established in 1984, Pesach, Achrusha Pesach. So you have Now many of us do it in a regular way, with a little more focus, less focus. Now, whatever situation you're in, whether you just read it quickly, or you read it intent, with intent and understood it. Now's an opportunity to spend an extra half hour, extra 15 minutes, extra two, an hour, whatever you're able to. This is not about imposing. It's about something we should be doing with pleasure. That you can concentrate and actually look and appreciate something much closer because you're not rushing to work. You're not rushing to some other event. Your, all those schedules have been, for now, paused. So you can see it as a disruption. Oh, what am I going to do? Or you can see it as your shlichas. This is my mission to learn a little more with a more intent, a little more in-depth, more applying it to your life. You'll be surprised when you start looking at small details in your life, you end up being not alone. To answer the person, yes, it was very hard to do a Seder alone. I have no question about it. I'm so hard to do Shabbos. When usually you went with friends to a public Seder or to, a, or to guests at other person's home, that doesn't mean you don't have resources. It means you have to dig deeper and find something you haven't done now, till now. And that is... Well, the Seder is over, so we did the Seder. But as I did the 15 steps, many people told me how, much, how well they used it to actually look at each step a little closer and apply it. So now we have the last, the coming days of Pesach. Look at Pesach. What is a matzah? Why are we, why is this freedom? So a lot of things we take them for granted. Now is not the time to take things for granted. Now is the time to focus. Deliberate. Be deliberate. Now, you'll say, I'm not used to it. So start, start now, and you'll get more used to it. And no matter what happens in the future, you'll be a better person for it. Because it's appreciating the detail, realizing this detail is your mission right now. Even if it's a preparation to something that comes afterwards. Because in holiness, even a preparation is an end in itself. The means can be an end in itself. And then comes the next step. I'll just share... The story the Rebbe told it was uh, the 20th of Shvat in the year 1970. This was 20 years of the Rebbe's leadership. And the Rebbe then declared to finish what was called Mashiach Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll that his father-in-law, his predecessor, began writing in the 40s, but was never finished. Yud Shvat, that year, honoring 20 years, now we're, that was 50 years ago. Now we're 70 years later from Yud Shvat. The Rebbe said, let's... Finished the Sefer Torah. It was a Friday, I remember. I was bar mitzvah that year. And it was a big thing. Everybody got dressed up. It was like a holiday. The Rebbe had a fabrengen. Many guests came from Israel and from other places. Ten days later, the 20th of Shvat, they were going back on a charter plane to Israel. It was a late afternoon flight. The Rebbe had a fabrengen early afternoon. Middle of the fabrengen, the Rebbe sends that people were rushing because they were looking at the clock, when is the Fabrain going to end? They have to go to JFK for the flight. So the Rebbe smiled and told the story. He says he sees people are looking at the clock and they're rushing. So he says there was a story when he was in the Leningrad. It's called now it's Petersburg, Leningrad. He says my father-in-law once had to go on a trip, a very dangerous trip, because it was for affairs that if people of the, if the Soviets found out would be danger. A trip, it was in the mid-20s, the mid in the, in the, it would be in the 20s, yes, mid-20s. And my father was going to go to Moscow. So I come into his office and I see that even though his train or his ride is going to be in just 15 minutes, he's sitting calm, completely focused on his work as if nothing else is going on. 
you think he's preparing, especially the concerns, the dangers. So I said to my father-in-law, the Rebbe said, instead, self-control, but to that extent, that the Rebbe is completely oblivious of what's going on. So the Friedrich Rebbe responded to the Rebbe, he says, my father, the Rebbe Rashab, taught me the concept of atzloch in zman, success in time. So I asked, what's atzloch in zman? So it's not clear that whether the Rebbe asked the Friedrich Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe asked the Rebbe Rashab. So he explained to him, atzloch in zman, is that in that moment, you're doing that, there's nothing else going on. Even in 15 minutes from now, you're going on a very dangerous trip. And he spoke about the Rajba, that the Rajba had atzloch in zman, success in time. He had classes every day. He had his prayers. He had people coming to consult with him. He'd write his letters. And even had time to go for a walk. Because whatever he did, he was there completely. He was not saying, oh, I'm doing it halfway and then something else is coming. Same idea of Pnimi. I actually use a story in Torah Meaning for Life in the book, in the, my cha- in the chapter called A Day of Life, of how to focus your life. Now we have the opportunity to do this. Usually there was no time. Even then we should have done. Meaning the world as it was a month, two months ago. But now we have the opportunity to really be deliberate. To make a list of the things. I wake up. Wash my hands. Say a prayer with real intent. Prayers. Study something with real deliberate intent. Give a little zdokah. And not just mechanically. But with real deliberate focus. Pnimis. Concentration. This may be new. It's new to all of us in many ways. But this is an opportunity to say that we don't have the shlichus now. That we can't say. We could say it's difficult. I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. Okay, so now is your time. How can a lockdown in our homes be seen as an opportunity? So I'm answering the questions before, the, before I ask them. But that's the question. So let's take this a step further, the themes that I've been talking about. And let's look at a verse. I'm going to quote a verse. In the sugya, which means the, the, the section of the Talmud where it talks about epidemic, it's called Dever Be'ir, or when there's a plague or an epidemic. So it says in the Gemara, Baba Kama, Tafsama, Hamid Bey, 60b, and we spoke about it, it brings three verses that a person has to go, Lech Knesh Raglecha, to go home and stay home. The first verse we've talked about, which is Pesach related, that that night of Passover, the first Passover, Moshe tells the Jewish people that there's a plague raging outside, the plague of the firstborn. So you, va'atem, you shall not leave your home till the morning. Says the Gemara, another verse says, well, but we don't know that's only till the morning. That means at night. What about that by day? Comes another verse. That verse I just quoted, I believe is 2220 in... in uh, in, I'm sorry, 1220 in uh, Boy, Pasha Boy Exodus. Another verse in Yeshaya. The prophet Yeshaya. Chav Chav, 2620. What does the Pasuk say? The Pasuk says, strong words. It says, Lech Ami. Go my people, or go my nation. Boy Lechederecha. Go into your rooms. Uzger Deloscha. And lock your door, ba'adecha, for your behalf, your protection, your behalf, on your behalf. And then chavi, it says, conceal yourself, hide yourself. Rega, kamat rega, almost a moment. Till the anger, the wrath will pass. That's the Pesach brought in Baba Kama regarding this. So we learn from that, it's not just by night, it's also by day. So look in the commentaries. On this verse, what is it referring to? So the obvious from the Talmud is very clear. It means physically. To go into your rooms, into your homes, and your rooms, and lock your door. Because there's a za'am, there's an anger, a wrath out there. So protect yourself. But when you look in the commentaries, let's begin with the Targum Yenison. Interesting. The Targum, which is the Aramaic translation of this verse, says, he adds words. Go into your rooms... And do good deeds. 
Torah and good deeds, because it's Meganumatz, it protects and saves you. So here he's referring more than just the physical going into your room, he's referring it to it like a go into your spiritual life, into your Torah mitzvah's life. And same thing when you find in Rashi, Rashi says, your room, he says, go inside the rooms of your chambers of your heart, which means introspection, soul searching. And then there's an interpretation, the next word, it says, lock your door. What door? The door, be careful what you say. Don't, don't second-guess God in this moment of, of wrath, of gvura, of judgment. The Radak, another commentary says, he says, this is talking about right before Mashiach comes, Mocham of Goygamogig. A war will be fought. We'll talk about that a little later. And what is that? What is the war? So it says, he says, this is al Derech Moshel. It doesn't mean it physically, even though it doesn't preclude being physical. It means go and add in your Torah and mitzvahs. Similar to the other, to the Tagmianison, because that will help protect you from this war and battle and save you. He actually verse, refer, refers to a verse in Daniel that talks about the Sefer Torah that the Rebbe in Tavshimem Aleph, when he established 1981, the Sefer Torah, the Sefer Torah brought that by having a letter in the Torah, Lo Yemolet, people will be saved from any type of, it will be, be protected from any danger. So you see a bunch of commentaries. Now that's Samach Tzedek, in Eir Atera, both in Boy on the Posse, that you shouldn't leave your home, and in Yeshaya, in Eir Atera Boy, and also in Yeshaya and Nach, on the Posse in Yeshaya, so both Boy and Yeshaya, brings from the Tanah Dvelio that Chedrecha goes on Chedri HaTera. It means stay in the, in the room of Tera, in the chamber, in the in the Academy of Learning, Torah. That's what it says. And then he says, until the morning, what's morning is the Geula when we'll come to Primis HaTorah. Which seemingly is when the door will open up. So you'll have Primis HaTorah. That's what it seems like. Not positive. But he says, Chadarech is Limit HaTorah. The bottom line, what we see from this is, that it's more than just some defensive mechanism that we're protecting ourselves and we're reacting. It's being proactive as well. There's a shlichus involved. Even during a plague, there's a shlichus, a mission to go into the, into the chambers of your heart, into the chambers of Torah, into the chamber of good deeds. So there's a positive, proactive offense that we have to go on. So this is how the lockdown in homes can be seen as an opportunity. Clearly from all these commentaries, and there are more. There is a commentary there, by the way, that says to go to the base of Medish and base of Knesset. But obviously that doesn't apply here, which is why I didn't bring it. Because that's part of what we can't do, be, be doing now. But that doesn't mean you can't turn your home. Tremendous. I've talked about this as well. Then Truma Tov Shemem Zayin in 1987, the Rebbe came out very strongly about making a Migdash Ma'at of our individual homes should be a, base, a, a Migdash Ma'at, a small mini-sanctuary. That your home should have Torah in it, not just Svarim, but also a Sefer Achumish, even for children, Achumish, Tefillah, a Siddur, Milos Chasodim, a charity box. They ever mentioned Haggadah then and before Pesach. In other words, turn your home into a mini shul. And today, clearly, that's our mission, because we can't do it in the regular shul, so make your home. And that's really the meaning of us. What does Viseichah mean? Built for me a sanctuary and I will rest among you. So the Ebishter said, okay, we'll do it in a temple, in a sanctuary. That's like a model. But the goal is not Viseichanti Viseichah, that I shall rest in a building of, of bricks and mortar or, or tapestries as it was in the, in the Mishkan. Or in the Besamigdash of, of wood and of stones and, of, and so on. But Viseichah, the whole purpose of the Mishkan is it should be within your heart. As the Rebbe emphasized, in every individual, now is the time. Make your life, make your home, that cheder, that room, that chamber should become a sacred chamber. That lock the door, but now you're internally sanctifying your life, even if you're all alone. You're never alone because you're with God. But how do you do that? You can't just think about God. Bring God in your life by the these three pillars of Teir Avedim Melz Chassad. Next question. What possible benefit 
can disruption of our routines offer? Okay. Well, before I spoke about that uh, disrupting our routines, our schedules, so now we don't have those crutches, so now we have to look internally. That's the first benefit. But still, someone can say, but what's wrong with routines? I had a routine, I had a schedule, I had a plan. What benefit is there in that being shifted? You want to wake me up? Wake me up a different way. So firstly, you could argue you won't be woken up any other way because if your calendar remains your controlling force, what you do controls who you are. Like I point out many times, when you ask somebody, who are you? They give you their business card. I don't know about today. And, and I say to them, that's not who you are. That's what you do. That's your business, your work. Uh, well, sadly, who I am has become what I do. When what you do should be an, an outgrowth and a result of who you are. I am me, and therefore my work is an extension of that. So your work is defining who you are. Your wor- you sh- who you are should define what you do. The hammer in a tool chest doesn't tell the hand what to do. The hand should tell the hammer what to do. The ship doesn't tell the captain where to go. The captain navigates the ship. So that's number one, that it's hard to wake people up when they're in their routines. But there's something even deeper. Look in chapter 15 in Tanya and maybe make this one of your classes to learn. Maybe today, tomorrow, whenever you schedule it. In chapter 15, he talks about routines. And he says something very fascinating. He says, what does it mean to serve God? Serve, avoid means work, exertion, effort. If someone's doing something that comes easy to them, it's their habit. They study every day for half an hour, Torah. They do mitzvahs certain time scheduled. They give charity, but it's their routine. Is that considered work, effort? It's beautiful. No one's denying that. So the relative Rebbe says, the Talmud says no. If you do something out of, by rote, mechanically, as beautiful as it is, it's not called Avedah, it's called Loyavadeh. What is Avedah when you go out of your routine, when you break your comforts, when you break your habit? And he gives an example from the Talmud of Menachas, that in the, period of the, in the time of the Talmud, students and everyone would study, the custom was, the habit was, that they would review something 100 times. The same text, 100 times. That's a pretty big thing. You think, wow, but it's their habit. So the Talmud says if they learned 101, that one time outside of their routine, that is, overshadows, that outweighs other 100. Even though you can't get to 101 without 100. But because they challenged themselves. They went out of their habits and routines. That's the beauty of going out of routine. Now the truth is this should be all the time. We should never be trapped by routines. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have them. Obviously, we need structure. We need people are dependent on us. You can't just say, hey, I'm a free spirit, a bohemian free spirit, and you can't rely on me. But now we have no choice, but our routines were stripped from us, were taken from us. So it's a lesson for all the time that we should always in good things, in good things, and the things that we need to do for survival, you do them. But the especially good things always go beyond. With all your might, even with all the, with all of you, more all the all mechol meidcha means not just with your heart. I should say the whole prayer. Love God not just bechol with all your heart, bechol nafshcha with all your spirit, bechol with all of you, with all your all. Meaning going beyond, and every person in their own way. For one person, going out of the routine for another person may be routine. What was routine yesterday? Today you have to do something new. What is today new is not routine tomorrow. So you have to add something else. Mylon Bakay is always increasing. That's a tremendous lesson that we have from our routines being disrupted. Teaching us not to make us uncomfortable, put us in distress, as I mentioned earlier, but to help us actually get to a place that's beyond our own structures. That you can experience something, some of the magic, some of the infinity, tasting the infinite, touching heaven and beyond. Okay. Before we go to Pesach, because of course this is, we're in the middle of Cholomay Pesach and we're going to to the last days of Pesach, I want to add something on a light note. You know, we could all use a little, um, little uh, lightness of spirit in these times. In the verse I mentioned before about going into your rooms, going by people into your rooms, lock the door. For your protection or for your behalf. Hide yourself. 
for a moment, for just a moment, until the anger passes, there's an interesting Talmud, another interpretation, a Talmud in Gemara and Sanhedrin. I found it uh, quite uh, amusing in, in context of things. In 20, Chofei Beis, page 25b in Sanhedrin, brings this verse, talks about the father of Rabzeira. Rabzeira was a sage in the Talmudic times. He was a tax collector, but he was a benevolent tax collector. Tax collectors are usually not seen in good light, but he was a benevolent tax collector. When the head of the tax collectors would come to collect taxes from the city, there was the city tax and so on, he would, in, his, in a very wise and uh, in a very uh, riddled way, tell, told, would say to the scholars, the rabbis and scholars in town, he would use this verse. He would say, go into your rooms, lock your doors, hide till the, for a moment until the anger passes. Referring to the head tax collector. He was trying to alleviate some of the pressure of taxes that they were being put on. I found it interesting, the same verse being used about a plague. Now it's interesting, the IRS has actually deferred tax payments. So the tax collector is being a little benevolent. And uh, interesting coming from that verse. Now, just, uh, just an additional thought to show how things co- connected. You learn a Talmud and suddenly it becomes relevant to our times. A Talmud itself can be analyzed and discussed. But now I want to move to the second part of this discussion and program, to Achan Shal Pesach. We still have several days of Pesach, the last day of Pesach. And the last day of Pesach has specific significance to our time. I'm just looking through a lot, a lot of questions here. Um, so we know Achan Shal Pesach, we say the Haftarah, is specifically about the Gula Asidah, the future redemption. Mashiach. The whole Haftarah is about Mashiach. Why in Achan Shal Pesach? Because it says in Sforim, and the Rebbe discusses it a lot in all the Fabringans of Achan Shal Pesach, that that day radiates Mashiach, Gula. Why? Because Mitzrayim, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Kimet Seis Chemeretz Mitzrayim, was not, did not end after they left Egypt. It'll end with the Geula, the future Geula. In other words, the redemption from Egypt was the beginning of the process. The first stage was leaving in Mitzrayim, all our limitations. It will conclude, Kimet Seis Chemeretz Mitzrayim, Aran and it's like we left Egypt. What's Kimet, the days of Egypt? Because the days continue till the future, the whole Golos, all the Goliaths are compared to Mitzrayim, to Egypt, to the constraints of Mitzrayim, and we'll be finally redeemed. So it's one f- continuation. The power of it is Mitzrayim is, gives us the power of philosophy. We even, it's hinted to in the Agada where he says, Kol yemecha Mashiach. You have to always remember Mitzrayim to teach you that, you, that also Yemesa Mashiach, we will remember what happened in Mitzrayim because it's one flow, because Mitzrayim opened up the floodgates of freedom, of emancipation, of liberation. As the Maral says, not just physical liberation, spiritual liberation. That afterwards the Jewish people will forever be a free nation. Meaning we're not servants to, our, to God's servants, we're servants to God himself. God, the infinite, beyond infinite God, which is the root of all freedom. Truly free people, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. So the Geula, the final Geula, which is of course the conclusion of it all, because then it will be a Geula, golas, won't be any Exile after that will be permanent, but it all began with Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's why we'll remember it. Good. So in Pesach itself, there's different... So Pesach in general is redemption. Zman Cheirusenu, a time of, time of our freedom. The first half of Pesach is, focuses most on Yitzhak Mitzrayim, on the Seder. And the second half focuses more on the Gula. That's why even the seventh day of Pesach, Oz Yosheh is said in the future, because Oz, you will sing then we can't. From there we learn the Gemara that Chiyas HaMesim, resurrection. We learn from that verse. Even though Chiyas Yamsuf, the parting of the sea, happened back in the time of Mitzrayim. And then of course the eighth day of Pesach is in full glory. Just to point out, even in the Seder, the first half of the Seder, it says, is focused more on Egypt, the, the exodus from Egypt. The second half is, brings more into the Gula, till Shoshan HaBob, Yerushalayim. Which of course is the goal of the future redemption. But when is it most concentrated is the eighth day? And this explains, the Rebbe says, why we 
celebrate Mashiach Suda, the time of the Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov instituted. Yom Tov usually only has two meals. Instituted a third meal, that before the Shkir, before sundown, on Achrashat Pesach, we wash. And it's called Mashiach Suda. It was unknown for many years until it was revealed. The Rebbe Rashab in Samach Vav, Tofresh Samach Vav, in 1916, also instituted the four cups of wine. And every year by the Fabreng and by the Rebbe, I remember it, they would have, they wash, the Rebbe would wash, eat matzah, drink the four cups of wine. It was to honor Mashiach Suda, the Suda of Mashiach, because now we're honoring the Geula Suda. So, the questions have been asked, okay, what is the significance of Mashiach Suda on the last day of Pesach? I just explained that. And is it possible that Mashiach should actually come in the last day of Pesach? Absolutely. It's the whole day of Mashiach. But what's the point? The point isn't just to remember or to prepare. We always hope on Mashiach Suda, we always wait that Mashiach actually arrives to that meal. But the connect, next question was, does it have any connection, does this situation we're in now have any connection with Mashiach? So I, w- I mentioned the previous programs, I've been very careful, because we want to be careful not to start looking for signs when people are unfortunately dying, and there's a tremendous fear and so on. Yet there is a medish, Shira Shirim Rabba, and I quoted it, Parsha Beis, Choftes. Someone asked, I couldn't find it in 29, in some editions, I believe in the, well, some editions is 29. The truth is it's on verse, chapter 2 and verse 12 and 13 is the Medrash Shir Hashim Rabbah. So if you look 2, 13, you'll find the Medrash. And it says that before Mashiach comes, close to Mashiach's coming, there'll be a, a plague, there'll be a devil, there'll be an epidemic. And then he goes on actually to speak with the Rebbe Rashab in his famous Sikha of uh, Simchas Teira in 1900. Simchas Teira, Tofrei Samachal of Chorfu Ikvish Mashiachecha those that will will uh, the, will insult will uh, will the, reject God and will reject Mashiach but I don't want to go into all the details right now so there it does say there will be something but we were told Mashiach is going to come without any issues that all the wars have been fought and all the challenges and we can go to Mashiach without any hefzik so to me, this is all of a mystery. To call a medrash now, yes, after the fact, there is such a medrash. But that was not the way it was meant to be planned. So I just want to qualify that. So I was thinking about it on a little deeper level. And I realized, looking at the haftarah of Achim Pesach, the whole haftarah is about Mashiach. But there's one particular verse I want to focus on. And the verse is in Kapitel uh, Yur Aleph, chapter 11, Yeshaya. So there's a verse, Veherichu b'yiras Hashem. What does the Pesach say? So the simple interpretation is that Mashiach will judge. He will have a sense infused within him, God's fear. And that's how he will, understand, he will know how to judge what's right, what is wrong. Not with his eyes he will judge, and not with what he hears will he rebuke. It will be with a certain sense. Comes the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Sa'ad the Gimel Amad Beis, 93b, and says the word Heirichu comes from the word Reach, smell. He will sniff. He won't need to look or hear. He will sniff and sense what is right, what God wants. And uses the expression Moirach V'doyin. He will sniff and judge. Another interpretive of the doyen, some say is va-doyen, from the word he will know certainly with vadois. But however you interpret it, it comes from sense. The question is, is what is this? And why Mashiach? Why suddenly? The Sanhedrin used to sit in Lishka Sargos, they sat in Beis They also judged. They judged with what they, Mishpat is what they saw, the witness, and what they heard from witnesses, and the evidence that was brought that they saw. That's how they made judgment. What is this new addition of sniffing and sensing? You could even say, is that something you can rely on? But this is what makes Mashiach unique. We're going to say it in the So immediately brought back a sikha from the Rebbe who asked this question. After Pesach, I believe it was. That year. And the Rebbe asked the question, what's up with Mashiach? Suddenly this Veirich and what's in heaven did, the rest of the judges did. They didn't rely on that. 
So he says, you can explain it according to what it says in Zayar, and Chassidus elaborates at length. Reach, smell, reaches etzem hanefesh. That's why you can, you can um, revive someone who's has passed out, God forbid, in a coma, with very strong scent, smelling salts and the likes. Food is not a food is good enough to sustain health. But when you need to create health, like a medication, you need something strong. And that's reach. And he explains the difference between k'teris and karbonus. The offerings in the Beis Amigdash were called lachmi. They were like a food. They also have a scent, a reach. But their focus mostly is internalized. K'teris was completely incense. And the k'teris itself is every day the incense that was brought. And there was Yom Kippur, which is even a higher level. And he brings from Zayar, Nidra Rabba, and this is elaborated upon in Ayin Beis, in the year Ayin Dalad, in the Sukkot Maimorim and afterwards, that what? That there are two nostrils. The right nostril reaches, that's like Karbonus, or that's the Ketodos of every day. It reaches a deeper level, but the left nostril, according to the Zayar, reaches an Etzim HaNefesh, in the essence of the soul. And that's the Ketodos of Yom Kippur, in Yechideh. And Mashiach is Yechid. He was able to reach the essence. All those that came before him, even the great Moshe Rabbeinu and of course Sanhedrin and others, they judged what they saw and what they heard. He was able to go, he's able, Mashiach will be able to go into the essence, which is smell, and smell itself, the left nostril, and that is the purpose of Mashiach. And what does the essence do? The essence allows you to transform even the negative into the positive. The Ketodos were 11, number 11. 11 According to Kabbalah Chassidus, is the 11 crowns, crown, kisrin, the mesavusa. Toxic crowns, coronaviruses, yes. We spoke about it last week. The Ketodos came, included things that were not kosher even. One of them was moir. According to the Rambam and others, this was, came from Adam, from the blood of a chaya yidua chaya an impure animal. That's why the Ravid is so... So it disagrees with the Rambam. But there is a clearly opinion like that. Not just the Rambam, others as well. Because the Ketodos, when they burned them in the Beis HaMikdosh, especially Ayyam Kippur, it transformed Tomei to Toir, even the impure and the toxic, into purity. And that transformation only Mashiach can accomplish. That's why Vahirichu, that's why Mashiach stands out. Not just as a small matter. It identifies him that he will judge, he will sense he will be cognizant of reality that comes from the essence of things that transforms also the negative because that's what the f- final goal is. When they left Mitzrayim, they ran because there was still plenty of toxins in the world, as we see. Mashiach comes, all toxins will disappear. Ruach HaTuma Avri is the spirit of toxicity, the spirit of viruses, the spirit of everything impure will disappear, will be completely eradicated. We even say it in the Yiratzen every day now with the spirit of Omer. We say, when we count the Omer, just as we're refining part of us, may you refine all the tumor, all the toxins. We said it Erev Pesach when we burned the Chomets. Also, may you eradicate all the toxins, all the impurities. That's what Mashiach does. To elaborate a bit more, it says in the Gemara and Sanhedrin as well, that the greatest prophecy of the future redemption is in Avadja. Even though Yeshaya is great prophecies about the future redemption, but in the book of Avadja is beyond all of them. Says the Gemara, why? Avadja was a ger. He was a comfort. He came from Moyav, from the Moabites. So he answers, the Gemara answers precisely because of that. Because That's where the expression comes from. To cut down the, a tree, you need the wood of the tree to cut it down. The axe, his handle, is made of the wood that cuts down the tree. That's called a sapcha, transformation. Total transformation. That's why the Geul is going to transform the, re- the world. Not just ignore it. Not just override it. It will transform it. That's why Avadya is the greatest prophecy. It's a transformation of Edom, of the Western world, into holiness as well. That's why Mashiach Taka comes from Dovra Melech, who comes from Rus, who was a Gaius, who was a convert. And we see the question asked, Mashiach's roots are questionable. You can ask the daughters of Light, the way they had children with their father, and then Yehuda and Tamar, 
Why would it come from such a seemingly negative thing that is not allowed? Because when you transform into holiness, that's the greatest transfer, that's the greatest accomplishment of all. That's what Mashiach is, transformation. So this is exactly what we're looking for now. We're looking for ways to transform a toxin, a virus that has gripped the entire world, paralyzed it. So this brings me back to Shabbos Hagol, something I wanted to speak about last week. There was no time. There are many reasons given why it's called Shabbos Hagol. The Alter Rebbe and Shulchan Aruch says because of the miracle of Lamakim Mitzrayim B'Chirehim. That on that day, in the 10th of Nisan, there was a Nezgod, a great miracle. What, what was great? And the 10 plagues were not great. And leaving Egypt was not great. It had a certain greatness to it that others did not have. What was it? Transformation. When the firstborn heard that the Jews are preparing the Paschal Lamb and preparing to leave Egypt, and they heard about the Makas Pcheres, that the plague that would come, they went and mutineered and attacked their own. The firstborn, which were the leaders, the strongest leaders in Egypt, attacked Egypt. It wasn't God imposing himself. It wasn't the Jews fighting the Egyptians. The Egyptians fighting the Egyptians. That's the ultimate goal, transformation. And if you look in healing, that's how we heal. When we build antibodies to any type of infection, any disease, what happens is the disease that causes you to become stronger. In the beginning, it overpowers and God forbid it has its consequences. But ultimately, it makes your immune system stronger. Why can't you get it anywhere else? Because there's nothing like getting it from the transforming of the disease itself builds that immunity. And then those antibodies building a vaccine is always going to be by using the disease itself in the right measure that helps the body fight the disease. All antibiotics are based on that concept. Homeopathy is based on that concept. So it's not just magdim refuah lamaka, that the healing precedes the illness is the illness actually can bring the healing. And when it does, it brings it in a way that it can eradicate the entire illness. The wood of the tree cuts down the tree. So the connection is clear. Now we're looking for action, and I just don't want to talk about it. We want to see it in, in, in reality. That's our objective. But how do we do that? By creating a pandemic of goodness and kindness. Yes, if we have a new attitude, we make a storm, in the words of the Rev, a storm. Just like this pandemic is a pandemic, a pandemic of goodness and kindness, that's the only thing that will do that can really counter it in the fullest sense of the word. And we have the opportunity to do so. Okay. There's plenty of other questions. I'll just take one more. Well, let me, let me see what I can fit in here. Someone wrote, Tov Shinpei was supposed to be Teishnas Parnosa. Teishnas Pedus the year of Parnosa, livelihood, the year of redemption. Not Tehishna's pandemic. Absolutely agree. Is it a good idea to increase in giving Zdaka, charity, to weigh the scales to the side of good to help stop the pandemic? Absolutely, as we spoke. Zdaka Tatzlam of it, Zdaka preserves and saves us from death and from illness. And as a Tzamech suggestion, actually to do just that, among many other things. And as I just said, all goodness and kindness, as the Rebbe told us clearly, that that's what we should be doing in general, especially in a time like this. Okay. Um, I got a, a whole flood of letters, which I, I want to really be careful to sum up. I don't want to read it in detail. Real anger from many, many people. I can't tell you how many letters I have. One, two, at least 10, maybe even more, maybe 15, of the great scandal about what can be done about those fools endangering others. Now, the reason I, I don't want to read them for obvious reasons, it's not a time now to criticize, time to be careful. Yes, there were people perhaps that behaved in, in uh, irresponsible ways. I hope it's all gone. And the Torah says, I mean, I just simply beyond me, we're not talking about listening to doctors, listening to the government, listening to people we never trust. We're talking about listening to Torah. The Torah says, that but there's a pandemic, I quoted the Gemara, it's brought in Hilchashminis, a goof and nefesh, and it's brought in halacha. What are you supposed to do? Once you hear it's contagious, and once we've seen, so to me it's just beyond words, and I don't even I don't want to talk about it. I hear people are very, very angry and they're saying, What's going to be with these leaders? They what they deserve, will they be get what they deserve? Look, we're all now in together, in it together. It's a there's a certain danger. 
We have to be careful. So I don't want to speak about negative about anybody. But there's no question that if you see anywhere, it's simply not tolerable to do something that puts a person even 1% danger. I don't even know why we have to say it, but I'm saying it because I've received so many different letters on this topic. Okay. Someone wrote, I want to just mention about the corona thing, I spoke about smell. Some of the, one of the symptoms of the virus is that you lose your smell. So you see clearly it's attacking. The positive is the smell of Mashiach, the sniff that touches the etzem. So when you lose that, you see that has perhaps a, it's the lumaze it's the of that, just as an aside. So someone asked, can a person who temporarily lost their sense of smell due to the virus make a bracha during Avdola or be a bracha levatola? Well, the halacha is that if you don't have smell, even if it's temporary, you're not supposed to make the blessing because you can't smell it. So the answer is we don't make the bracha as long as there's no smell. God should bless you, you should get the smell back, we should get the main smell back, the sniff of Mashiach, that the ghoul is here. Maybe that also explains the story where one of the tzaddikim went outside and wanted to smell the scent of Mashiach, not just to see if it's coming, but the scent. That's an aside. Another person asked, is it permissible for a man to shave his beard during coronavirus so that a protective mask will have a better seal? I, I, I mean, I'm not smiling, and God forbid, in any bad way. Look, but I don't know if wearing a mask in a way that, that there's a beard is going to create the pukuach nefesh. I'm sure there are creative ways you can figure out how to put the mask without having touching the beard. And I talk to some people and they can tell you some advice on how it should hug tighter and so on. You know, I'm have, I have a beard and it hasn't affected me when I wear a mask. So I think there are ways to do this. But uh, I appreciate the questions. I also wanted to read it to show what kind of questions we're receiving. And I feel honored in a way that there's a platform here doing this whole crisis that we've, this platform has always been online. We didn't have to wait for the pandemic to be able to offer some suggestions and thoughts and ideas and answers to all your questions. So please take advantage of this. I will be doing this as I always have, I've not stopped. And as a matter of fact, this week we added an additional program because of this situation we're in. Ask your questions, go to chassidahsupply.com and they have a forum to ask any question anonymously, comments, thoughts, feedback, I would, I would love to hear feedback, especially in this time. I see this as a collective effort. And please share, which someone wrote to me, would you be able to do a live Zoom class, possibly a Q&A? Israel time if possible, thanks. So we've done a few of them. If you go to MeaningfulLife.com slash Corona, you'll see some of them that we've done, which are still relevant. And we'll do, be doing more. And then someone, can you please do a class online that's not Corona related? Well, we'll try, especially when it becomes little less of so uh, demanding of a topic. Another person wrote, I just wanted to let you know I look forward to watching your Sunday night broadcast all week. Thank you very much for everything you do, especially during this time. May Hashem bless you and your family. Thank you for your incredible classes. They give me so much chizuk and asking me for some, some of the materials that we... So I thank you for that. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your support in every possible way. Even though it's tough times, I do want to say that uh, we are trying to be a lifeline to many. So your support is necessary more than ever. If you go to chassidahsupply.com slash donate, you can make a donation of any size you wish. Everything is helpful. And going directly toward programs that are addressing this issue, giving people hope and courage and joy and love and warmth, which strengthens our spiritual and emotional immune systems. And I again encourage you to subscribe. It's on WhatsApp, on email, it's on Instagram, on all our platforms, to the Daily Spiritual Antidote. It's a three-minute video each day, digging deeper into our souls to bolster our inner lives, to be able to counter the challenges we're all facing, whether it's the fears, the unknowns, the uncertainties, whether it's health, economic, and so on. Okay. Now with that, I think I'm going to conclude and leave other questions for next week. So yes. This has been a special episode of My Life Chassidah Supplied, a special Cholomayed Pesach episode. I want to, again, wish everyone, hope you're very well, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, you and your families, out of full shleim of a kreva to all those that are in situations where they need that. Hashem Yishmer, Hashem should protect the rest of us, all of us, all the time, in and out, outside and inside, in whatever situation we're in, and bring again a refuah shleima to all their need. Complete refuah shleima, and we should be able to dance, yes, before Achron Shal Pesach. 
before Vehirichu Beyiris Hashem of Mashiach, to the Gula Mitis Vashlemus, so we can then celebrate Mashiach Suda together with Mashiach, together with our loved ones, together with the Ebishter, and Veruach Atuma Avimina Oretz, the erasing and eradication of all toxins and all viruses, and only in its place, Shamish Godel, just like the initial serpent will be transformed, not just eliminated, it will be transformed into the greatest force of healing ever. And we do so, we speed it up by doing a pandemic of goodness and kindness to counter the pandemic of the negative sort out there. Stay well, God bless you. Have a very good Mayid and a good Nyontif. We're here every Sunday. We'll be here Sunday after, after Shabbos, next Shabbos, 8 to 9 p.m. This has been My Life, Chassidah Supplied, episode 304. Good Mayid and a good Nyontif. This program is brought to you by My Life, Chassidah Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at chassidahsupply.com slash donate.